Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is The Personal Finance Show. This is episode 12 of my COVID-19 series. It is June 14th, uh, 2020. Uh, COVID-19 is a uh, coronavirus. We're in a pandemic. Uh, Millions of cases, um, uh, hundreds of thousands of people uh, dying. Um, and what a morbid introduction, right? Uh, but if you're listening to this in the future, it just kind of gives you a, a little bit of a, an idea of what's going on. And uh, you know, I used to, uh, I did 100 episodes, and most of them were uh, you know, evergreen episodes where you can listen to whenever. It's not about the, the, what's going on right now, maybe about what the person's doing, but mostly about their story. I uh, took a little break to be a stay-at-home dad for a bit, and then I got a full-time job as an insolvency counselor, in Canada, and I um, was taking a break from the podcast. I decided to come back for COVID uh, because I wanted to talk about what's going on, and I have a platform to do so. I wanted to connect with people who I've met, people from around the world, people with different experiences, people in different places, um, and this uh, has become very important to me to do every week. Um, I don't edit the show anymore, so this is just one full recording, because uh, again, I wasn't doing the, the show because I didn't have the time to uh, do it. And uh, I didn't want that to be an excuse for me to not do this every week, so I just sort of adjusted the way that I do it. We're just gonna talk about stuff, and y- this, is what, this is what it is. I'm not gonna edit out all of my ums as I used to do, and there's gonna be a, a bunch of them, because we can't stop saying um, right? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how we, uh, we stop, but uh, I mean, listening to myself, uh, helps me. Um, so, episode 12 of this series, uh, June 14th, 2020, I have uh, Cassandra Dacent on the show. Welcome, Cassandra. Thank you, Bo. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So, yes, uh, happy to have you. We met uh, at, uh, at well, FinCon, uh, which is uh, something we can talk about as well. Um, uh, FinCon uh, in uh, DC last year, so uh, uh, September uh, 2019. Yep. And uh, uh, Sonia Smith Valentine introduced us, and she's been on the the podcast. It's a great episode. Yeah, she's and a good you, friend of mine. Yes, yeah, so she's fantastic. Uh, you know, lawyer, CPA, financially fierce, right? Right. And she definitely is that, uh, which is amazing. Uh, and and you have a a really interesting uh, story, which uh, you know we talked about uh, uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, you will come back and do that, and we'll talk about that full story. Um, and in the meantime, I will put links to uh, the Rich and Regular podcast and Journey to Launch. I like those uh, podcasts, and you're, you tell your story uh, uh, well on those. Um, if anyone wants to just learn a little bit more about Cassandra's background. Uh, but uh, we're going to just start uh, with the, your COVID uh, story now. And, um, you know, in terms of how COVID-19 has impacted you, you know, uh, just personally, financially, what what are the uh, the rules where you are um, and uh, but first where where were you when all this went down uh, and do you remember? Yeah, uh, sitting at home. Uh, I currently live in Orange Park. I was born in Trinidad in the West Indies um, and immigrated to Montreal, Canada with my mother at the age of six. So I lived in Montreal for over thirty years. So I'm mm-hmm. Quebecois and Canadian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> However, I've been living in the United States for uh, over almost seven years now um, uh, due to marrying my husband, uh, who is also Trinidadian, but lived in the United States when I met him. Um, So, yeah, sitting in Orange Park, um, paying attention to the news, 
and quickly realizing that we we have a huge problem on our hands mm-hmm. and um it it became very personal for me very quickly for a couple of reasons and the first reason is my mom because i'm a long distance caregiver uh i travel to montreal frequently to visit her she lives in a senior's home and uh so when quebec started to have uh, a drastic increase in cases and they became yeah. the epicenter for canada in the long term care facilities it that yeah. exactly that was where it was wow. hardest hit and um to this day fortunately her seniors home is one of the very few that has not reported one case Wow. Okay. That's so good to hear. It's yeah. a, yes, and it's really due to th- their very quick response and adapt adaptation to the new normal um, and putting patients first, uh, putting their employees first as well. Um, the lockdown was swift. You know, um, to this day, they're still locked down. Um, they've allowed uh, visitation to where the patient will be brought outside, the resident will be brought outside, but you still have to be two meters apart minimum. You still have to wear the mask. You still have to wear the protective gear. Um, And if you even, if you wanted to go inside, you'd have to fill a bunch of forms out. It's very strict protocol. You have to take the test. Uh, You know, it's, it's just, it's actually a disincentive for people to want to visit inside the home in order to protect the residents, which I fully agree with. However, what, what it does for family members, especially those like me who don't live in Montreal, you know, I can't just drive up and say, you know, I've got to take a plane or I've got to take a, you know, a 20 hour road trip. Um, and then in the, before this week, uh, the Canadian, well, the Canadian border is still highly severely restricted, right? It's non-essential travel is not allowed. Um, it's really about importation of goods and, um, essential service workers, keeping business alive. Right. So um, I would have been allowed to re-enter Canada at any time since I'm a citizen, right? That's true. Yeah, but my husband can. wouldn't have been able to come with me. Okay. So now recently Trudeau restrict, relaxed the laws um, for immediate family members. However, you do need to self-quarantine once you enter the country for 14 days. Of course. So, you know, even then it's it's great, but y- you, you have to essentially plan to, to be in the country for at least three weeks to, to yeah. even, you know... See before you mud- can see someone, before you, you can get a hotel some- two weeks. Exactly. The cost. Work from a hotel. Right. And then. And then hmm. you still don't get to hug your loved ones. Well, in my case, I cannot because she's no. in a senior's home. And that's a really good point. You know, my uh, my uh, wife and my son uh, visited my uh, parents on the way way back uh, from, from a trip. And uh, they, you know, socially distanced. And my mom said that it was harder it's so much harder. Like not, when we talk on the video, she doesn't get sad when we leave. Mm-hmm. But when they were socially distanced, she got sad. Exactly. And that that there's a big difference there, right? So like uh, it's like a tease, right? If you go close. Exactly. So we were we were we were throwing about whether we should go or not. And last night we made we made the decision to pause the idea because I know my mom, and I know the first. In the first instinct she would do is to want to hug me, right? Of course, it's yeah. been almost seven months because I had seen her last November and I had planned my flight to to return in March, and then I had March. to cancel my flight. So of it's course, right then, right? Yeah. So it, we decided that you know 
let's wait a little longer. Let's see what happens with with COVID. Let's see how many cases are dropping per day and if it's a consistent drop. And let's follow the numbers for a bit. Um, but more importantly, psychologically, she's doing okay on the phone. We do the nurse has, has been gracious to do um, FaceTime or Skype with her. So I've, we've been able to see each other. Um, yeah, that's good. But that that's one of my reality. And then the other reality is that um, I'm a stepmother to an 11 year old. Um, oh. No, will he be 13 this year? 12 or 13. I, I've got to double check the numbers, but you know, he's a teenager and um, yeah. he lives in Trinidad with his mom. And of course, Trinidad has shut its borders as well. So um, we don't know when we'll be able to see him either, right? Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah co you know, it really has affected us personally. Again, you know, we've got communication at our disposal. You know, we're able to, to, to message and Skype and stuff. But not having the control over when you can do something and how you can do something. And it, when it's going to end. Uh, yeah. When, uh, what's the future look like? That's the hardest part about all of this. You, exactly. you can't plan. No, right? you cannot plan. No. And uh, and how has it affected? Uh, were you working from home typically already? So I was commuting. Um, I I'm self-employed, so I had a contract. Mm. So for the most part, I was commuting. And then with the company that I, I am contracting for, um, they uh, one of their, their their safety is actually one of their values. Um, okay. And uh, so from a safety standpoint, uh, when the city of Jacksonville, I live about thirty minutes outside of Jacksonville proper. Uh, so when the city of Jacksonville, it was actually one of the first uh, cities within the state uh, to go under um, quarantine, if you will, you know, yeah. um, even before the governor said that Florida itself. So um, the mayor, I have to give him credit for acting quickly on that front at the beginning, uh, closing down beaches and, and stuff like that. So the company decided, OK, let's get ready for remote workforce, you know, 5,000 plus. They, the company was already yeah, actually big, big well company. advanced. Yeah, it's a big company yeah. um, around the world. and But they had the infrastructure to support it, which they a did. lot of companies didn't have. Whereas yeah, this, right. this company had the infrastructure to support it. It took less than a day for me to get completely set up with the right, you know, security access and tokens and stuff like that. And I've been at home since mid-March. And so income income hasn't been affected in terms of like that, but well, maybe for other, me, other opportunities. For me, no. My husband, yes, severely. Okay. My husband is a sound engineer. Okay. He's alive. Oh yeah, he's yeah. A, he's alive. Sound. You said he was uh, touring, right? Yeah, uh, he's uh, touring on the other podcast. So was he touring with big names too? Yeah. 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 So that has all completely stopped, right? There's no mm -hmm. known date where you're going to open a concert, you know, hall or stadiums. Yep. You know, uh, we he foresees maybe maybe mid 2021 like before late 2021 before you get back to the near levels of where he was touring before where he was home maybe two three months of the year yeah i i used to work for live nation global touring mm -hmm. um in finance and uh i was the manager of tour finance so uh, i know a lot of people in this business and I mean, I used to work at the Air Canada Center as well. Mm -hmm. So watching all of these events get canceled, all these tours get canceled. And I know there's insurance for all this stuff, but that doesn't help uh, the workers. Nope. Um, was he able to go on uh, an employment insurance of some kind? In oh, the my US? God. That's the, How saga, does that work? the saga that is still ongoing. So um, the state of Florida doesn't obviously cover self-employed, right? But when yeah. the CARES Act was passed on March 29th, 
it yeah. did include a provision for self-employed workers. Okay. We applied. Do you know we're still waiting? And now we oh. have the governor's office involved because his case is is so left field that, you know, I think we've had to apply five times. Um, we inputted all the information, like, like, don't even, you know, I was like so upset. Like, I'm very competent. I, I know how to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know how to you read the instructions. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had to get the, um, we had to get the, the local, um, uh, the local government involved. And then they realized, okay, we're not getting anywhere. And they were resubmitting his name like every week on the reports. And so now we, we put in a, I forget, special request at the governor level, which is not very common to do. So it's three plus months. He hasn't seen a payment. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and should we acknowledge that you are in a more privileged position than most and you might have some savings and yeah, I, I will and... I will disclose that. Yeah. Yes, I'm working. Right. Um, financially we're very solvent in the sense that i uh, even my income we don't need all of my income to survive right yeah um we have high costs because i care for my mom we care for my stepson right so our our costs are definitely not cheap but i will definitely say that we're very blessed we're very fortunate and we i have a healthy emergency savings fund we have investments like we are not in a situation where it's 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 we're, we're potentially losing our home or we have to question what food we need to buy. So I want to preface all that by saying that we are fortunate, you know, but um, given that you worked uh, your butt off to get to where you are yeah. now, right? Uh, yeah. To build all of this up. And so this is taking away that ability to, to sustain that building of the wealth. Yeah. And, and it's funny, even if, you know, even though we're in a position, we're in a healthy financial position, it doesn't stop me from worrying. You know, because I, I too, like look at the company that I work, like currently contract for, they furloughed hundreds of people. They laid off hundreds of others. Um, We renegotiated my contract rate temporarily to help them. Uh, So it's not like. You've taken a bit of a. Oh yeah, I've taken a bit of a pay cut, right? Okay. Um, So because I, I, I I understand the, the, the current position that we're in, you know, um, companies are having to make hard choices and, um, some companies have just have a better balance sheet than others. You know, yeah. they, it's, yeah. it's no different than personal finance and corporate finance, That's right? right? Yeah. <laughs> you either have the emergency fund or you don't. Or you don't. And so when something like this happens, if you're not ready, then a lot of people got to go mm-hmm. in a business and that it really sucks. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know if we can. Um, ask in the future to see a company's cash flow before we take a job. What do you think? <laughs> Should that be the thing? Like, hey, what do you have for mercy? What happens if there's another pandemic? Will you be okay? Or? Well, well, the thing is that you know, for the public companies, it's quite easy. They they have to publish yeah, their point. their corporate yeah. statements, and also you look from a stock per, stock market perspective. You know, how are they trading? What are their dividends? All this stuff. So it's not like you can't piece together the health of the company. It's more the, mm. the small and medium you know, yeah. uh, uh, privately listed companies that are right now hurting in the COVID situation, right? So for example, right. um, when the CARES Act was passed and then you have the the, the, um, the loan programs, the Paycheck Protection Programs and the um, the, the loan disaster programs by the, the Small Business Administration in, in the United States, well, the majority of that, what, I think it's a total of $511 billion 
went to big corporations because a yeah i heard that ah it's because the preferential treatment by their lenders by the banks right the of banks course. are more comfortable lending to the big dollar companies who they feel that they have a better chance of recuperating the the loan itself but they're still going by risk uh, risk oh absolutely themselves. they have to that's how they uh, that's operate. how they survive right? yeah i've been hearing that the money is run out for small businesses oh right? ab- and and worse yet for businesses uh, you know um from the black and brown communities they most yeah. have not seen a penny they haven't even been able to let's say get processed for a loan um it's very one-sided again you know it, it just lends it just supports this whole belief that the system is really for the few and not for the many you know yeah, so so this uh the lack of uh, availability of funding for the black and brown communities is that specifically because of the systemic racism that is built into the banking system so i you know you could probably trace it back because you know and people may disagree with my my thinking however just to get just to get funding just to get venture venture capital dollars um yeah. you know it, it's almost impossible uh, many black and brown businesses are solo entrepreneur business or maybe one or two employees right for the banks they don't they see those as higher risks right sure. um secondly um it could be a, a a combination where black and brown people may not have a high as high credit score as someone who is white Okay, and that I I cannot prove that for statistics, but I wouldn't be surprised. There's so many reasons why we are disadvantaged. You have systemic uh, policies in place, like the old um, redlining in the states, the FHA policy, when blacks and browns were were not at first able to get home uh, home ownership and mortgage loans, right? And then eventually laws was passed to to try to uh, give them access, but they were given at higher rates than whites. They were also segregated where, you know, you could live in a certain area of a town and not. So redlining, that's what redlining is. Um, And the 1974 uh, Equal Opportunity uh, Loan Act, is that what it was called? Um, So that that just made it um, illegal to discriminate, but it didn't stop discrimination. Like um, something I've been hearing a lot lately is, um, you know, they, they, what they teach about like slavery and stuff. Oh, slavery happened and then it ended and now everything's good. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of like how they gloss over it in school. And the, the thing is, uh, you know, I mean, in civil rights and, and uh, all the movements, whenever all that sort of settled down, it just started, it took a different form, didn't it? Oh, it became covert. It became, uh, mm. it became, you know, as you was, was say in French, souterrain. Um, under, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, underground, yeah, yeah, underground, underneath, um, passive. Uh, there's so many ways you could describe it. Um, the thing is, is that they, they made, they just found legal ways of subverting our access and, mm. and limiting our ability to raise capital or build wealth or, or just, you know, give us more control over our own money per se. So th- there was just other ways of, of just showing that we still don't regard you as equal. We still yeah. don't yes. consider you as, as a people that deserve to be at the same status as, as, as we are, you know? So it still flows into t- t- today. You know, you see it as, as, as the protesters and just as we're, we're living in this current, um, current wave of anger and current wave of trying to bring attention to the injustices that have never stopped, that never left. Um, 
you know, I, I was on another podcast the other day and I was saying, I'm personally in pain. I'm mm. personally suffering because not because of my own experiences with racism, because I've been subject to, to racist remarks and, and experiences, but to see that a life is still not regarded as equal because our skin color is not the same and that you, I'm, and I'm talking specifically about George Floyd. Sure. And when I, like when I watched that video and seeing that officer's neck, knee on his neck and the stance that he took of, you know, superiority. Yeah. It really seemed like he was proud. He was proud. He was proud. And that, that, that just, that just brought back the images of, you know, from the 1960s and fifties, you know, and, and beyond where it's just like, wow, we're still living. Like if you believe that we have overcome, you're sadly mistaken. It's still there, and we we just haven't been seeing it mm. uh, as much. And now the the only reason why it's it's sort of back in in front and center is because now more people are able to see it. Yes, video right? is the best thing been ever. There. Yeah, it's been it's been there the whole time, and and you I mean you can attest to that. Yeah, the entire time, you know. I I remember in Montreal, and I, it's always a story I tell just to give context, where mm-hmm. because I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. I grew up in Point Claire in the suburbs. Okay. okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, white Anglo-Saxon. I went to Lindsay Place High School. A lot of Jewish people attended that high school. Sure. Um, so I grew up very far from my own community, you know, in my home, you know, culturally, yes, I grew up in a West Indian culture with music and food and everything. So I never lost that. However, from, uh, from an educational perspective, I went to a French immersion school, you know, I'm fluently bilingual. I don't mm-hmm. sound West Indian. I don't sound black. I, I don't sound African-American or whatever, how people describe how we sound. I don't sound sure. that. Right. Yeah. So I applied for a job interview back in the day in Montreal and um, no problem. I was invited to the interview. I show up and her, like she walked in and you could tell her face was like shocked. Oh. And she's oh. like, she's like, well, you don't look like how you sound in French. And I, I said, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't think I need to be here. And I walked yeah. out. Yeah. You know, good. Um, but I mean, good, good for you. Not not good for her. No. Well, yeah. But I, I can imagine a lot of people would have been just like, I'll swallow that because I need a job. Yeah. And that that's the thing. Another thing about being financially independent or having uh, financial freedom to do stuff. And most people don't have that mm-hmm. ability. Yeah. And that, you know, so so you might have had to take that job if you're in a different mindset or different position. And keep in mind, I was in my 20s at that time and I was, you know, starting my way into the debt journey, which, you know, we'll talk about probably another time we're together. But mm-hmm. even then I had I had a, a sense of self that. Yeah. Yeah, I knew I didn't need her. I could get another job. I had that confidence in myself that this this is just this is not acceptable. I can I can do better. I knew I knew that even then. But to the point that we're talking about where having money does give you a sense of freedom to be able to make choices that align with your values and your beliefs. So now I'm in a position where I can be choosy and picky about which contracts I accept and who I want to work for because I have the financial security to back me up. Whereas so many around the world 
do not, and then that's a privilege and that's a luxury that I have built for myself and my family, right? You have to build that up, but you also have uh, the generational burden yeah. um, of your mother, right? And uh, no, no, that's not, for some reason, that's not a negative, but you know what I mean, yeah, right? W- which I, for example, do not have mm-hmm. because there was my parents built up wealth right. for themselves and they're taking care of themselves. And, and, and to be completely honest, this is something I'm only becoming aware of recently. Uh, you know, in terms of first gen, um, uh, uh, you know, so people in the U.S., right, where, you know, there are parents that expect to be taken care of. Um, and uh, I, I don't have that in, in my life. Yeah. And so I can not only do I have support from my parents, I don't have to support them. And so all of my money is mine. And I have the ability to make more money. It's like uh, everything adds on to itself for privilege. Yeah, right? and you and you see you, as you, see you the layers, you see the, the layers, layers of, of privilege. It. Right. And I, I have all I have all of them. I mean, uh, the you could say maybe a mental health one because I had an addiction and you know. But then I had I'm in Canada, so I got free mental health. You get the resources. Uh, therapy and and I got help and medication. So it's like even if you try to find the lack of privilege in my life, it's like, well, but then this compensates for this and that. So when you contrast my experience to, to say, well, yours mm-hmm. um, or someone who doesn't who wasn't even able to build up like, you know, uh, what is it? Was it just was it drive for you? What separated you? Did you do you get more opportunities? Did, uh, you, I think you mentioned somebody kind of helped helped you along, like helped you move the dial along. Yeah, that's absolutely. a big movement too. Moving the dial for, for women in tech and, and I mean, people of color in tech as well. Yeah. Um, is that, can you talk about that? Sure. So f- for sure, the drive came from my mom. So I'll start with mm. her, right? So even she immigrated to Montreal knowing nobody. She, you know, she just had a dream, literally saying okay. that I want better for my daughter. Um, I'm the, the last of six children. And um, her first five, she was in an arranged marriage. You know, uh, she's Indian, my mom. Um, And I happen to be a a multiracial. But so long story short, she wanted more for me, you know, that she couldn't necessarily give her first five kids. So she saw an opportunity, got a visa, came to Canada, was able to sponsor me. um, And she just wanted to do what she could to put me in a, in a more advantageous situation, living in suburbia, um, going to the best school she could she could manage. Um, then it was up to me to determine my my course in life. Right? Um, look, another thing: education in Quebec, we were heavily subsidized for college and university compared yeah, to our, okay. our American counterparts. With the Cégep, right? Too, Cégep right? as well, yeah. right? So the cost was essentially what registration and books pretty much. Um, So we didn't carry that level of student loan debt. Um, So I had a a very um, fair advantage in that sense because of where I grew up and um, the people that I came along to meet. So when it came to transitioning into a world of tech, I was at um, a company called Oakley and okay. sunglasses company and yeah, uh, Oakley's, yeah, right yeah. so uh, i had an 11 plus year career there and i started off okay. as a credit analyst um yes and i knew that and that was the time i was working to pay off debt but i knew that i wanted to uh earn more and i knew a way to do it was i needed to get myself into a new career but how i didn't finish my my back um, it's not easy to just jump into tech like that. So yeah. a position came up within the company that was, um, tech related 
and nobody really was interested in it. And I said to myself, if I can convince them to send me off to like a boot camp to learn how to, you know, to do it, I will do what I can to excel. So that's, again, it's just an inner drive that I've, I've learned over the years. And my, my manager was sold on the idea and I had three mentors in that company, all females in, in positions of, of, of management. And they advocated for me. They helped me to open those doors. If I didn't have them, I, I yeah. know I wouldn't be as successful as I am today. That's amazing. Yeah. Right. Because, because uh, I mean, I, 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 one of my early episodes, I spoke to um, uh, three guys from Uganda um, who were, uh, happened to be at a conference that I was at. Here and they talked about personal finance uh, in uh, West in East Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them worked for the UN, uh, um, and he uh, he he uh, he didn't uh, coin this, but he w- he said, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, talent is universal, opportunity is not. Exactly. And so you and many people probably have that had that drive, right? But the opportunity just happened to be there for you. And what's happening in the U.S. is there's opportun- the opportunities are not there for the majority of people no. of color. Uh, I'll say black people because I've been interchanging and I realize that, uh, that uh, saying people of color uh, versus in this specific case, I should say black people. Right. Because that's yeah, that's it, what's happening. It's, it's, a, it's a word, you know, pe- people of color. I, it, and I, I understand white when white allies, they're trying to figure out what is what is the best, yeah. you know, terminology best, to use. Yeah, what, what, how yeah. should I approach you guys? And I've chosen to, let's say, you know, don't don't lump us into just one other group. It's like minorities. I don't like the yeah, term minorities. Don't say minorities um, yeah. People of color is too broad. We're, we're, you know, yeah. we're blacks, we're Latinx, we're Asians, we're indigenous, you know, say what, what yeah. we are. You know, there's no, yeah. there's no shame in saying what we are. And just like you are a white person, that is the yeah. description that you are. So good, good yeah, if we're talking about in the context of blacks and browns, like, you know, and I, I always say browns, I, I talk about Indians, Asians, you know, because well, yeah, I mean, you, you said you have your parents are my parents uh, are my, I'm yeah, mixed, right. Yeah. But, yes. but um, yeah, to, to your point, it, it's just, if you don't, if you're not presented with the potential or the opportunities or people who are willing to advocate for you, it, it makes it near impossible to, 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 to level up in life. And I have been afforded those opportunities and key people. And then I made the most of it. So yes. there's that, there's the two factor, right? You, you get to use it. You've got to use good. it and yeah. you've got to milk it for all it's worth. And then yeah. there's a third element, which is pay back, pay it back. Okay. Yes. Bring someone else with you because it's, for me, it's not good enough to say, okay, I'm doing well. I'm living well. I'm succeeding. I need to now return that gift to somebody else and mentor him or her and help bring that person where they can now pay, you know, it's like a cycle for me. It's just a continuous cycle. You got to keep doing that. And, and we have, cause we have to break whatever's happening. Yeah. And, and, um, would you say that what's happening right now seems, I, I feel like people are saying this is a little bit different than previous situations where we're trying to break the cycle. Would you, do you feel that way? I hope so. There's always hope. There's, I think. Yeah. So it does feel different for me. It felt different, and and not that the deaths of Brianna Taylor or Philando mm. Castile or Tamir Rice or any of the hundreds and thousands before them 
don't matter. They all led cumulatively to this point and they, not yes. one should have, right? Yeah. I think, again, to, to the credit of video, video is so powerful, right? It's such a powerful medium. And I think Officer Chauvet, and I want to call his name because that is his name, yep. that yep. who put his knee on George's neck, um, that stance of white superiority and the fact that I said it, like he looked like, I own you. You know, yeah. I own you. I own you from head to toe. That that resonated powerfully in many of us. Like it disgusted us. It, it just it completely overwhelmed me psychologically. Like, no, this 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 cannot this cannot be. So now that you've got protest in what we're week two now, I think I don't I think so. Yeah. I think we're in week two. Keep in mind, like I said on a, another podcast episode, that. From the Civil Rights Act that was passed, we've become complacent. Every yes. one of us have become complacent. We took our foot off the gas pedal. This is an issue that ha you, in order to eradicate it, you cannot ever stop. You cannot ever let up. Just because mm -hmm. government may pass a legislation, don't, don't think that it ends there. You need to see them actually enact it. And, and put it to use in the context that you intend it for. And you need to see it just happening in everyday life where you see more and more people are now understanding the true systemic issue of racism. So it's not just, okay, well, oh, it's not fair to, 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 to treat somebody badly because of the color of their skin. No, we're talking from a law standpoint that it is not acceptable and you will be punished as a result of it. When people start feeling the effects, consequences. the consequences of their behaviors, yes. like this officer, that he still might end up with a million dollar pension, even though he murdered somebody. Some of them are already, they're talking about some who are already on their pension. Right. They were retired uh, after doing these things. And it just doesn't now it doesn't seem right like when people are calling it out and hopefully by calling it out we can change something yeah and, and you know and people may ask well what can i do or how how can i contribute and I, you may not want to protest you don't have to protest you know in mm. that way you you can you can and i always say the power you have is your vote matters you know people don't understand like your vote can swing a country one way to another from one yeah. ideal to another. And you yeah. do this at the local level. Start paying attention to who your city councilors are. Start paying attention to who the new judges they want to put on in the circuit or in the Supreme Court or in your local. That's where your, your life happens on the day-to-day -day level, on a micro level, is in your own community. So you need to start, you know, paying attention to how your dollars are spent. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's things at the granular level that will then affect you at, at a more state and federal level. So it's not only the vote for the next, who's the next president or who the next prime minister is, it's who's the next city councilor on the board of your companies. Start looking at who are you, who do you work for? Does your company represent the ideals that you believe in? Does, you know, if they talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, are they living what they preach? Is their board reflective? Not only their board, is their C-suite reflective? Is it just, oh, there's the Asian token one. Okay, well, we, we checked off the box. You have to question what your personal ideals and beliefs are. From there, you have to then see how that can be amplified 
in every aspect of your life. That's how you can really start. Of course, education, mm -hmm. of course, having those honest and sometimes very uncomfortable conversations. But we have to start thinking macro and micro. It's it's two fronts that we need to fight this fight. And and, and listening to, well, hopefully this podcast, uh, for example, but uh, you know any other podcasts that where people are talking with different voices, because what I've found for me uh, specifically it's just hearing things presented in a different way mm -hmm. will resonate with different people. Like, you know, sh uh, I listened to Sean Rochester on, on uh, um, the journey to launch. He wrote the black tax. Yes. Book, uh, which I, you know, again, I have trouble reading books because of my ADD, but I love that I can get, get to hear him. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely, I definitely plan to have him on the show. Yeah. He's, he's one of the best. Uh, I encourage anybody to take a listen to Sean Rochester. So because he can explain it. Right. And and, and uh, one of the things he said, and, uh, you know, I've been trying to uh, repeat it in my head so I can get it straight because I want to be able to explain it to other people. It's it's we have this, uh, you know, I say I'll say we mm -hmm. white people. Right. Have this thought in our head, um, whether it's it, it's probably mostly implicit. Uh, it, it, you know, because we, uh, we've we've a lot of us have done some work to try to at least get rid of explicit racism. Right. Mm. Um, you know, then that's pretty clear and it's definitely not socially acceptable. And so a lot of people but there's still a lot of implicit stuff in there. So it's like when you're say you're walking into a boardroom. Right. And if there's two black people in there, you might be fine. But if there's more than two black people in the room and you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter what you if you feel like you're racist or not, you will probably feel like something is wrong. There's something off about this situation and I need to correct it. Right. And, and and so I don't know what it is exactly, but I feel like there's something off about this. And then you go to a, another situation where there's less black people and it does it feels maybe you'll realize. So, you know, try to notice that kind of thing. If it's if it's uncomfortable, if you were to sit at a table of 12 people and uh, 11 of them were black and you were white, w would that make you feel uncomfortable? Ex exactly. And why? Exactly. Why is that right? Is that fair? Is that a fair assessment? It's, it's like, um. I, you know, having grown up in Trinidad, right, I, I go back often, Trinidad is, is majority, majoritively, right, people, mm. you know, people of every other race, but white, you've got white there, but you've got everything under the sun, it's actually considered um, one of the most culturally diverse islands and places in the world. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I would encourage people, you know, when if you have the opportunity to travel, purposely put yourself in a country where you are not many of you, you know, where whites are not yeah. many. Um, yeah. And you will immediately start to notice that people are staring at you or they're looking at you or they're, they're curious about you or whatever that is. And get uncomfortable with the uncomfortable, like get comfortable with the uncomfortable and understand that maybe is a way, like you said, sitting in a boardroom where you start to you know, be in the other person's shoe, be in our shoes and, and try to see from our eyes and our perspective what it's like for us every single day to be operating in spaces where we don't we don't see ourselves. We're not we're yeah. not reflected enough. You know, and we and we don't know what that's like. Right. Uh, uh, especially white men. Right. Yeah. We're reflected in everything. Yeah. Right. So we uh, a lot of people I talk to, a lot of white people I talk to just it just has never occurred to them. Right. And so they don't they don't understand and they don't it's hard to step out of something that's comfortable mm. um, if it doesn't affect you. Right. If there's no, right. If it, if it doesn't affect you. And I think we need to 
think more as an overall community. That's the only way. Because if you keep thinking about yourself, you'll be like, okay, well, yeah, that's not me. But and I and I, you, you might think I care about this situation. I don't want people to get hurt. Mm. I don't want people to have less opportunity. But what am I going to do about it? Right? Is what uh, I I hear this so much. Right? And it's it's caring about other people. <laughs> yeah, the word right? the it's, word it's em- really the, the bottom word line. Empathy. It's yeah. I, I would love for people to understand what being empathetic means. It's it's not just about saying, oh, you know, I feel bad or that's just so sad and it's not right. It's not fair. Why is it not right? Why is it not fair? You know, would would you? Why would you ever want that to happen to anyone? And I think. We've lo- we've we've lost so much empathy and and consideration of one another that it's funny because let's say if someone had a car accident, you know, and the natural instinct for many of us would be just to go and help without knowing who is driving, what color That's they right. are, whatever yeah. the case is. And why is it that because we know this is the issue, right, the issue of color and the issue of race, that we are still hesitant to make that same instinctual need to help. Question mm-hmm. that too. You know, if you didn't see me, like you're here listening to the podcast and you didn't know yeah. my background and you didn't know that I am black and I'm Indian and, and, and everything else that I am, you wouldn't treat me any differently, most mm-hmm. likely. But the fact that now you you see me, you see that I am visibly different, I sound different, I my experiences are different, why does that scare you so much? Or why does that give you pause to say, mm, I, I want to help, but I don't know if I can. Oh, this is not going to change. It has to change. And it's up to us to, to change it. If we didn't have our forefathers and, and, and foremothers fighting these fights for us from gender, from race, from religious, from you name it, all the issues that we confront, we, we wouldn't have advanced. It takes us. It takes the brave in us to still feel that fear and still say this this matters this something must be done that you need to start yeah. questioning within yourself and it is it's fear it's fear of retaliation that is what what i'm noticing fear of of our of our peers mm. of of hey the of law enforcement yeah right you know i i have the, the tiniest taste of what it's like to go up against law enforcement when i was in g20 in toronto uh, and I got, I just was walking home and I got caught up in protesters on the way home. And I asked the police, hey, where can I go? And they just like sort of said, get out of here. And I, f- I felt at risk. Yeah. Like I, that was like five minutes of my life for me to experience what every single day is like, you know, for, for black people, especially in the U.S., but also in Canada. And we, we yeah. you know, let's talk about that too, right? We try to to pretend uh, like we're saints here. I'm telling you, like um, it's the the you know the Canadian. <laughs> I love you us. Posted about this. Yeah, yeah, I love us. I'm so proud to be Canadian. I'm proud to be a Trinidadian. I'm a citizen of all three countries, right? So I've I've I've, I've achieved a trifecta of sorts in terms of nationality. Have, yeah. But um, I love Canada. For me, it's it's home above probably more than anything else. But there is a sentiment of. Uh, what is the right word? We we look down on the U.S. and moral superiority. Yes, there's a moral yeah, superiority and, and and condescension that we yes. are better and we don't act like the Americans do and we don't have this systemic racial pro- problem. And I'm sorry to break, burst that bubble for us, but please 
no, check yourselves. <laughs> be- yeah, be- we do. Because we have yeah. a lot of of our own country's sins that we have yet to atone for fully, you know? That's yes, true. Um, and even today, you know, I, I brought up Bill 21 in Quebec. Uh, if people don't know what Bill 21, please take the time to read up on what that bill really does and how it restricts people's freedoms and, and religious freedoms. And it's based on color lines. It, mm-hmm. it truly is because the majority of uh, religious symbols are adorned by not white, non-white. So, yes. um, and, and women. And, and women, women specifically, well. right? Yeah. So... I, I want us Canadians to again um, just don't don't sweep the problems that we have under the rug because we do. Yes, we 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 take the sense of pride that you know we are an open open country in terms of receiving immigrants and stuff. But our history with immigration is is spotty. Okay. Yes. <laughs> there's a, there's a great uh, if you're if you want to learn about this specifically, there's a great podcast called The Secret Life of Canada. Uh, I don't know if you. No, I never uh, heard of it. I'll it have to all. check it out. Um, it's uh, there's a I think uh, she, I think one of the hosts is Jamaican Canadian, and the other host is uh, First Nations. Okay. Um, uh, both women, and they just get into it. There's a whole episode on statues, mm. which is amazing. All the statues are horrible uh, of racist white men, right? right? Uh, you know, and mostly in the world, actually. You know, if you look at statues, mm-hmm. so uh, they get into uh, you know the, the history of slavery in say Nova Scotia, the history of people coming from uh, Caribbean countries yep. uh, to Canada and how they are treated, and of course, the, there's a lot the of internment stuff about the camps, the Japan- people. yeah, Japanese internment. Oh, no, yeah. Japanese, exactly, and how the railway was built. built. There's a really big good episode on that. So that's, I mean, devour that if you're curious about the history of racism Africville, in Canada. Africville, we can go on. Like, there's lots. There's a lot yes. to uncover in our own country that we we have to atone for and, and understand that the fabric and makeup of this country is not far different from the United States. It may not be as volatile now as, as it was, but we we have more um, covert racism than overt. You know, in the, the United yeah. States, it's both. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's much more. In the United covert. States, you've got yeah. overt and covert, but in Canada and Europe, it's very much covert. So uh, you have to understand the biases that you've been raised with um, that's, you know, you, you don't, you, you never really questioned until hopefully now and start asking yourself, like, for example, I, I actually learned something today and it was a, a, um, a white friend of mine and it was about the term grandfathered in, um, oh, okay. and the term from the United States, the term grandfathered in actually came from, uh, statutes that were passed way back when, um, to basically, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but essentially it was born out of uh, statutes that, that were passed that excluded blacks from accessing certain things or being able to vote, oh. something along that line. So the term okay. grandfathered in is actually rooted from, uh, from, that time. from, from, from Confederate times. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So that's they that they use that terminology because I mean uh, today I would just say that's something that's been carried forward from a previous right. contract. But the original like intent of that the, the term, original contract, yeah. was for exclusion. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of terms that people don't, uh, and and a lot of it is coming up in the news these days, right? People are are, are like maybe things that would have just sort of passed by. Mm-hmm. Um, are now a little more prominent yeah. uh, and uh, being able to be addressed, right? 
um, like things like the uh, Amy Cooper in in the in the uh, park. Uh, I found out she was Canadian. No. I'm like, oh dear gosh. Oh, I know. It's a, <laughs> everyone's like we so wanna, embarrassed. We don't want to take uh, responsibility <laughs> no. for responsibility for that, but it it just uh, you know it shows and and of course to have a very um, his last name was Cooper. I forget yes. his first name. Then. Yeah. Um, uh, do you remember? I do not. Was, it wasn't Alexander. No. I don't want to. No, I don't remember. No. Unfortunately, but or uh, Benjamin. In any case, yeah, he uh, like. That's another like like you said, paid forward a very um, um, successful black person, extremely right. And she was obviously just profiling him. Yeah. And of course, she's a horrible person anyway. But, but the um, fact that you know, the fact that you you felt threatened, but he wasn't threatening you. He was just telling no. you you need to leash your dog. This is a rule, right? We need we need to change these reactions, right? I mean, you know, if someone if there's a big person they're going to be intimidating no, what, no matter what color they are and she, right? she needed to but, understand that you know what are the consequences of your actions do you understand that that's how emmett till was murdered because the 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 supposition that he cat called a white woman right you've now put this black man's life in danger over nothing yeah over nothing uh, the the recent example of i don't know if you've been seeing this in the news uh, uh but uh, the uh uh, the chief, uh, First Nations uh, uh, el elder yeah. chief, um, who got just tackled because his license plate was expired, yeah. and there, there's a plethora of examples of people whose license plates were expired and they got a, a a message on the phone or something about it. What is this? It's not about that. It's obviously about something else. Well, did you hear uh, about what happened in Atlanta uh, the the well, night before? So long story short. Black man was sleeping in a drive-through or near yes, drive-through at Wendy's, yeah. right? So yeah. instead of what they did, they they made him like go into a parking lot or whatever, a parking space. And instead of handling that situation where okay, they gave him the 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 test for intoxication, and instead of just calmly saying like maybe let's call you an Uber or maybe let's okay, we will have mm -hmm. to take you in. Um, it devolved into a situation where because he might have been intoxicated, you, we don't know exactly what happened because yeah, whatever happened, whatever, because the dash cam fell off at one point, the officer's um, um, cam, um, cam, it ended up that he's she's shot to death in the back. Now, why is it shoot to kill? Why have we yeah. why are police at this point where it's, you know, we're aiming for shoot to kill? Why? Why? If you must shoot, why can't it just shoot to maim? Like, that's where my husband and I are like. Why is it yeah. just an automatic reaction? Just if you get shot in the leg or the foot, I mean, you could still die from that, right. but it's less likely. But it's also really going to hurt. Yeah, and the person is going to be disabled. Likely, right? right? Likely. And and you know, if the guy's running away with the taser, he, he's running away. He can't hurt you with the taser. He's running yeah. away with the taser. And I'm just kind but, of like, when, what, how many more of this will it take for for you to understand? This, this is our life. This is our problem. We live in fear. When we drive our car, I worry that my husband won't come home if he gets pulled over and something like this happens. Like, And that's why education, of, about especially about history, will help people understand why things are like they are today. And if we if we bring it back to finances, mm -hmm. when people are wondering how does this, well how does this affect finances, just you, know, you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? The the most the horrible sentence that everybody. Oh my gosh! If I say. can do it, so can you. I right, I, and we don't. It, opportunity makes a big difference in this case. Yes, You're, it, it really does. Imagine so. Imagine the woman or the man who is who is black or, or who is of another race who happens to be queer or, you know, by, you know, bisexual, yes. uh, you know what I mean? 
imagine or trans or trans you know yeah. imagine how they they're 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 just trying to survive in life and trying and trying to make it on an, an honest day every day and you've got all of these injustices piled on because of yeah. just who they are and how they choose to live their life you know the rest of us who choose to okay we 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 are straight we live you know from a religious perspective we've married you know we've done sure. the, the homogenous yeah. life yeah we're not right. troubled by any of that you know and 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 there's that judgment where we say well they're lesser than us because they don't they don't choose to live according to our standard which white people set from the beginning the the default white person right so now we're now we're trying to affect your social order and that's that is chaos for 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 everybody else you know uh there's a lot to unpack yeah there's a there is a lot to unpack and that's there's a lot of nuance here right so just to to that's why take some time to educate yourself right if you're listening to this and you feel like you're out of touch with anything that we're talking about, just start listening and start, uh, yeah, basically start listening uh, to black people, start listening to black voices, um, really listen and understand that it is a big difference for me to have parents who are wealthy, who can take care of themselves uh, for generations, mm. uh, you know, where things are passed on, not uh, that I have to pass the money back to previous generations or send money home if, I, if I'm if i a new immigrant exactly. or, you know, anything like that. Send money home, help my community not get the job that I was going to get, not get the education that I was going to get because I didn't have money because I didn't qualify for, for loans or to be in tons of debt and not be able to get ahead because I had to get loans. There are so many factors here that can be um, solved by having generational wealth build up. Yep. Doesn't even have to be a lot of generational wealth, just a little bit to get you started, and then not having the the, the roadblocks in the way, the barriers to entry for everything, right? Yep. And you know, we could have a whole yep. podcast episode about that. But I think for today, uh, I think we're we're good. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll stop it. I, I really appreciate this conversation. Oh, likewise. Thanks for having me here. It, it's it's been it's a needed conversation that has to be ongoing, and I appreciate that you ongoing, welcomed me on yes. onto your forum and in your platform. So thank you. Well, you will be on for you know. I want people to know your story too because you know it it, it seems like oh you're you're doing great right you got the money and and but there's there's a lot of roadblocks along the way and we talked about one or two of them but there's a lot of things that happen and. And then the, even the concept of being multi-skilled and multi-talented and having multiple sources of income, that's something I want to talk about too all in another show. Sure. Um, for today, we're good. So, you know, talking about um, COVID-19 and how it's been affecting the world and how it's led to this, uh, these, uh, these riots and uh, protests um, because, the, you know, the people are not being treated uh, equally in the world and hey if it takes a pandemic to bring it back into light so be it i i mean i i wish that wasn't the case but you know now that it's uh all uh in the forefront again let's keep talking about it and try to make change